I, I think you, you gotta go straight for the jugular. You gotta go, you gotta just hit them and hit them really, really hard. Hey guys, uh, we're back with another episode of the Work in Progress podcast. Uh, I am Alan and I'm here with Min. Howdy. And uh, today, I think uh, Min's got a, a fun little topic to chat about. Yeah. What is it? So we've talked a lot about, you know, trying to figure out whether or not a role is right for you or looking at uh, workplaces and trying to evaluate whether that's a right fit for you. But what if you are already at a place? What if you were already uh, at a current job and things are starting to feel a little different? It's the sort of the honeymoon phase has kind of worn off. And now you're wondering, is this still right for me? What do you do at that point? I think there's a lot of different little things. Peter, Expectations right? aren't quite where you want them to be, or there's miscommunication on what this role actually was. You know, yeah, maybe there's a little bait and switch. Maybe there's a little, uh, it just hasn't quite played out the way you thought it was. Or... Or it's playing out exactly as you thought it would, and and that's still not quite feeling um, perfect, right? Now, what do you do? I mean, I'm I'm just gonna go out right and say it. What you <laughs> you've always told me for years now: just quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is that. There there is always that. Um, I I count myself very very lucky in that. That's. Right after I've got my first job and, and actually my second job too, I sort of realized very quickly, it was like, okay, you know, uh, like the, you can do this again, right? There's always going to be a company out there that will, that will hire you. Sure. They're not going to be as fun, not going to be as, uh, uh, fast moving and things like that. But so I, I recognize that that's a, a position of privilege, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, I it was sort of a good feeling to be able to know like, yeah, okay, you know what? If I really needed to put aside a lot of my preferences and just get a job, that's, that's an option, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Quit your job is sort of the, uh, uh, the, <laughs> the baseline <laughs> option that you always have. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm going to add some, some spice and flavoring to some of those thoughts here. I'm, so when, when you step, well, first off, when you start interviewing for, for positions, you're asking, you're asking your interviewers questions like every step of the way. Um, I'm hoping you're asking some of the same questions to everyone you talk to. So that way you have an idea of whether people are, have the same expectations of, of you and the same mm -hmm. expectations of the, the company that they work for. But <clears throat> You know, during during that process, you also have to realize that company has an interest in you. They're trying to sell you the position just as just as much as you're trying to sell yourself as a great candidate for that position, right? It's a two way relationship. Yeah. Um, and so you know, they're 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 probably going to be. I don't. I want to say a hundred percent transparent, but they're probably not a hundred percent transparent with all of the you know headaches that that happen day to day. <laughs> In the company, right? Yeah, I mean they're and, selling too, right? Yeah, and I, I I think that's that's normal. Um, and one thing you have to remember too is everyone's perceptions of their position and of what their job is 
is going to be different. So what might be a huge oh. headache for you is a just not a big deal for someone else. Um, so, you know, given, given that and given the topic here is what if what they express to you ends up being not so healthy for you? Um, and, you know, quite, quite frankly, you probably won't know until you're in it for sure. Right. But then, you know, the, the big question is what recourse do you have? What yeah. can you do? Um, and I, I think most of the time it's, can I change the organization from within? Can I be that agent of change that we've, we've talked about before? Or yeah. do I just quit my job? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's how I like to think of it. Certainly, you know, uh, um, like, like we were, like we were saying, you always have that option to just simply walk away from the situation, uh, and, and all of the consequences and, and, uh, fallout that happens with that. Now, I'm not saying that that's a bad option. Um, not, I'm not even saying that that's a bad option even half the time. Uh, but it is, you know, kind of the first option. I really like what you said and and really i want to focus a lot more on sort of being that agent of change right and that kind of sounds big it kind of sounds lofty some people might not be comfortable thinking like oh wow i'm gonna drive change um you know change can happen at a lot of different levels and i think at the very least it starts uh it starts with the individual right but people have a lot more power to craft the environment around them they have a lot more of that power than they realize you know and and really i think uh i, I sort of want to spend a little bit of time and and talk about like the different ways that you can just go about that you know i'm i'm gonna pre preface your thoughts with um maybe you know I'm, I'm certainly guilty of this but as you know, as an engineer, you work in code and you're used to getting instantaneous feedback yeah. for the inputs that you're giving. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I can't imagine anyone that has the same mindset as me being able to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this and that to be, you know, enable this change, but I'm not getting enough feedback to see right. it actually changing. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're expecting immediate feedback, you're going to be disappointed. So my, my advice for this is temper your expectations yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, usually when you find yourself in these positions, there's a, a certain amount of inertia that you have to overcome. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, because it, it feels the way it does for a reason. That's probably how they've been operating for a while. And if you're going to change that, First of all, there, there's a few things that are actually in your favor, right? Because if you're the new person coming into it, that sort of by definition shakes things up just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the smaller the team, the more uh, shake up that your own presence will will sort of just bring. And so you get a little bit of momentum. But I'm, I'm talking if you're like three, three to six months into a role already, and now you're starting to feel certain things aren't quite the way you'd like them yeah the you've sort of lost the initial uh momentum of your your joining and, and tossing things up a bit right uh i mean i a couple of thoughts on that one is there there is a very big uh is, it, is the word stigma around yeah. being the person that comes in and 
starting to point out every single thing that doesn't seem right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there there is that. <laughs> but then also another thing to consider too is, you know, if if you're the type of person like me who just comes in and observes, mm-hmm. your your input probably won't come until after you've seen some arbitrary threshold of information and then you'll be comfortable right so i think that's one of the first tensions right it's like you're if you're the new one if you're the new person there tend like some people tend to want to not shake things up and and not rock the boat too much right uh and you you want to observe and and give that the the best shot Mm -hmm. um yeah that's totally a thing uh it also just happens to be that you know once you get comfortable into the position, then there's less momentum to change it, right? Whereas, like, when you first joined a new team, there's sort of a lot of expectations of change just because you're a new face, right? Uh, and, and so, yeah, it while taking the time to observe does give you better context and it does make you a little bit less uh, disruptive of a force, over time, it will also sort of uh, cement the practices and cement the, uh, the the ways of operation, you know, and and it'll become a little bit harder to to suggest a change. Now, I'm not saying that this is like every org and every team. Uh, it's just a pattern that I've certainly noticed, and that also doesn't mean that people aren't open to changing, you know. Uh, it's 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 simply one of those matters of comfort right it's like <laughs> i've been doing it's all the unhealthy behaviors that yeah. you probably notice is has been normalized up until you're hiring yeah and so it's like <laughs> yeah it's we're, we're it's it, it becomes a more of a uh we're used to it type of thing and this is just we've we've grown to work around it yeah in, in some ways um, and what, you know, I wanted to add to that is like, when you do come in, you know, you don't have to come in and say, oh, we need to change this. We need to change that. Right, that's that's right. pretty aggressive. That's pretty aggressive. Um, <laughs> if, if Easy way to make enemies fast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, if, if you don't feel like, you know, you want to be aggressive there, there's certainly soft approaches. One of them is just asking. It's like, so has, you know, like, have we have, have, has the team thought about doing X or Y in this different way like yeah what are what what's the team's thoughts on it like has there has there been any thought given to it you know and just just coming in and asking questions about the process it it comes off as you learning what that process is but if the team hasn't really thought about it it forces them to then start thinking about it and trying to provide an answer Um, right and from my experiences i usually the answer is we're open to change. We just haven't gotten around to it. Right. And so, you know, immediately right there, it, that opens you up to be being the agent of change and owning that process, any of those process changes that you're, you're questioning um, yeah. and immediately making an impact. Yeah. A lot of what we're talking about here is saying like, actually, you know, you can have an influence on the environment around you and, uh, oftentimes you do have to, right? You do have to influence the environment around you in order to make it a better fit for what you need. Uh, I don't think a lot of people necessarily realize this, 
you know they they think oh if i join a a place or if i'm working at a place i have to change how i am to fit them right but it really is a two-way street like yes you do have to adopt some of their culture and their identity and their practices but there's a there's sort of on the flip side you do have to sort of exert your own changes into it to make it a better fit for you long term right because mm-hmm. yeah at the end of the day everyone is really really unique and and that's kind of what adds and changes and shifts company cultures as they as they continue to evolve um i wanted to touch on something uh because i felt like you were um uh you were uh, uh, getting to it and it was really really good i think that when we're thinking about when do I introduce change, when do I suggest change and things like that, I think the most valuable currency to do so is trust, mm. right? Like uh, I, was, I was having a great conversation with a, with a group of managers about this, um, about this. It was like, when and how can you start to offer like really critical feedback, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, based off that book, uh, Radical Cantor. We were having a discussion. We we're like, when can you actually do that? And uh, a lot of where the discussion went was, well, you have to have a very high degree of trust in order to do that, right? Yeah. You and I, like, just as an example, you and I, like, I can say, like, hey, Alan, actually, I think, you know, this last episode we did, I think it was a little weak, right? Or I can say like, ah, man, I think your audio is like a little off or something like that. Or, and you can say the same about me, but because we have that reservoir of trust, you know, neither of us take that in the really wrong way. Right. (laughs) Right. And, and we know that we're just trying to either improve the outcome of a recording or improve the outcome of each other. Right. Something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And so like, yeah. I mean, so so how we built trust is just years of friendship, right? Right. <laughs> how, how how would a new person come in and like start developing that trust? Because you know, it's it's one thing to assume positive intent from your coworkers, mm-hmm. but that you know that you're you're always going to be a little bit skeptical. You're always going to you know have to overcome some barrier of entry into these these work relationships. Yeah. Like how how does one start earning trust of others i think this is this is one of the key key ideas right and 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 suddenly it's starting to feel like there's a little bit of a roadmap that you have to kind of lay down when you join a new role right or or are thinking about uh trying to evolve your current role right mm-hmm. because it's like yeah if you don't have trust so so it, it, it's kind of a chain reaction right you if you don't like your current job it's probably some element of the environment and some element of the environment can possibly change. If you want to work through that change, you have to have built up trust, right? Mm-hmm. And now we kind of get to the key question is like, well, how do how do we actually build that up? Uh, I think it's actually a lot easier than most people. Um, like, I, I think it's actually a lot easier than, uh, than, than people think. And I'm actually going to lean on one of the very, very first pieces of management uh, advice that I ever got uh, when I was just picking up my very first team. Um, My boss at the time, she told me, literally, just do whatever they ask you for. 
whatever, however small it is, however little it seems, just do it for them. They want to change stand-up. They don't like how stand-up is right now. Just change it. They want to, uh, you know, they, they want to go and do less less boring meetings or whatever. Just cancel them. That's fine. You can always add these things back. You can always adjust all of that. Whatever they want, just do it for them. That's how you're going to build trust right away. Because it turns out a lot of people, if they are expressing something to you, especially as a newer person coming into a situation, that's about as much as they're willing to trust you with, and they're seeing how you're going to react to it, right? Mm -hmm. So if the first couple of things that someone asks you, you're able to say yes to and do it, that builds trust really, really fast. Yep. 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 Now, now, <laughs> hypothetical here. Yeah, yeah. You you come in and you're one of your your top performing engineers that others have identified for you has said, "I want to spend three weeks to do something completely unrelated to what our <laughs> our target goals are." Yeah. How do you react? I would start shuffling and trying to find <laughs> any way that I could say yes to that. I, I'd be like, okay, first of all, is like just playing with this. Let's just riff on this little example for a minute, right? <laughs> uh, I would try to explore every option I had. So I'd be like, okay, can the team get this done without this person at all, right? Mm -hmm. If they couldn't, I'd be like, all right, can we, uh, can we set a milestone instead? Can we do some sort of like a trade-off? It's like, hey, so if, we, if you get us to this milestone... We're, I know we're on a super tight crunch right now. If you can get us to this milestone, I'll reward you with some, uh, I'll reward you at the end of it, right? Mm -hmm. I promise you'll get three days off and you can do whatever you want in those three days or I don't know, whatever the reward uh, ratio is is comfortable with, right? Right. Now, that this is from a manager side. Uh, and so like I, I, the very same principle I think applies when you're an engineer joining a team, even a, a very senior or a very junior one, right? Mm -hmm. um, juniors can always offer to uh, to take up or or have an interest in sort of like mundane tasks or m mundane workflows. Kind of an uh, an example of that would be like, oh sure, I would love to go and see how you're doing this deploy. Oh, you're running a suite of automated tests. Can I watch? Can I see? Right. That builds up trust because mm -hmm. you're 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 sort of like throwing yourself into un like whatever the team is currently doing right and then of course you can always offer to like yeah of course i'll, I'll do that of course i'll run with that um on call comes to mind <laughs> you want to build up trust really really fast with somebody offered to take their on call shift <laughs> oh jeez, that's that, that's that was a little bit you know that's that, anxiety provoking yeah that's a little even, that's a little heavy but even for me <laughs> i'm like uh oh I'm not taking your on call. I'll take it when it's my turn. Yeah, you, you, you'll be like, uh, maybe, maybe there's something else that I could take instead, right? Yeah, I'll, um, I'll go um, update the README with more documentation. Yeah, there you go, right? <laughs> Things like that. Things like that. I think the the big TLDR there is um, take initiative. Like, don't don't just wait for for folks to handhold you. Like, you're you're coming in. You have expectations of what your job entails already. Start seeing if you can do some of those things that you're expecting to do. 
you know, yeah. beyond just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take on this, this ticket here and Jira or what have you, because it's there. It's, it's the extra things that aren't necessarily um, set out already. You know, like yeah. one of the, one of the big things, you know, I try to do coming into any organization is I'm going through this onboarding process. I guarantee you there's going to be some missing documentation or some edge case that no one's documented, but plenty of people have run into or have helped other people take care of it. Let's document that. So that way, you know, you're taking on responsibility of uh, building on top of that onboarding process that is already flawed. Um, And then beyond that, it's just like, again, ask questions, continue asking questions because you're signaling intent to learn. Right. And, you know, if, if, a company and a team interviewed you and saw potential in you start, you know, signaling like, yeah, like I'll, yeah. I'll do what I was hired to do. Not, not just be another resource yeah, <laughs> for the team, right? Like <laughs> you're, you're more than a resource act like it. Yeah. I, I really love where you're, I really love where you're going with that. And, and this concept of like just signaling, right. Signaling to others um, whether uh, signaling to others that you know you you can contribute to this, that you will contribute to this, that you are valuable, that you all of this, I think that that's that's the other side of this uh, this trust coin, right? Because yeah, you don't always have to literally do something. Sometimes building trust can come from simply signaling that you're going to do the right thing, right? Um, let's just take that engineer example and want to go off and build something for three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Some way that 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 person could build trust is by turning around and saying, Hey, along with this three weeks of something, I promise nothing will slip, right? I'm still going to make sure everything that I, that we need to get done gets done. I'm also going to make sure that, you know, this doesn't put anything else at risk. And by, by signaling that you're, what you're doing is you're really signaling safety, right? And whoever you're talking to, whether it's a manager or just another peer, what you're really telling them is, yeah, I'm going to go out and do something a little different, right? I'm going to try and change my environment, just to use that term. But I assure you, it's not going to affect you, right? It's not going to affect you negatively. And and that's, yeah, it's, it's like getting a loan from a bank, right? You're like, oh, I, I promise I'm not going to use this for, for just this is not drug money, right? Right. <laughs> right. Like I'm actually going to do something useful with this and I will pay it back. Right. Yep. And so the, the crazy part is, you know, uh, I mean, that example right there, it's, it's a, an engineer that exists already as part mm-hmm. of the team. They don't need to earn trust. They, they have a certain level of it already. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that, that really comes out is this is an ongoing dynamic. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a build trust from the get-go and then you're, you got free reigns right, for right. the rest of your time there. It's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a healthy, um, uh, what's the phrase? <laughs> it's a healthy give and take, right? Yeah. And it's, it's going to shift your entire time with every single one of your teammates, yeah. your managers, what have you. But it's, it's, it's dynamic and it's never static. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, you know, there's something, another engineering example is there's something in the code base that you're just absolutely horrified by, but it's constantly <laughs> being deprioritized. Yep. Like 
yes, you can expect or you can complain that it needs to change. And if it never gets prioritized, you know, at, at, at some point you can just say like, you know, in between my, you know, in between stories, I'm going to take a little bit of time to make incremental progress on this refactor. And then yeah. at some later point, just be like, I finally finished it. Here you go. Yeah. That's when you say, hey, can we take some time to do a regression test on this refactor? Right. <laughs> um, but because, you know, to your point, if you're doing this behind the scenes and it's not affecting anyone else in the team, but when you finally, you know, um, introduce it because you think you've, you've wrapped up, it comes off as, oh, crap, this guy went above and beyond to right. do something that right. no one took the time to do. Um, and I, th- I think that that pays out huge dividends um, on, on <laughs> building trust. And yeah. like it's it's crazy because there's um, there's a balance there, too, that needs to be uh, struck, strict, yeah, strict, struck, struck, stricken, stricken, <laughs> I don't know, words. Um, but like I, I, I think there's a, an expectation that any major technical refactors or things need to be scheduled out Mm -hmm. and to some extent yes but to to other to to play devil's advocate is maybe it doesn't right Right. and i think a lot of what i'm i'm seeing is that that folks won't take that initiative to make these refactors unless they can specifically put off other work right I, and I think, oh man, I, I love that you've brought this up because I, I think this is one of the um, most interesting dynamics, you know, when I think about all of the uh, sort of the greatest pieces of architecture or or like uh, developer experience type things, you know, whether it's automated testing suites, faster builds and things like that, most of them that I've ever run into were never... Uh, they were never a story. They were never a, a thing that was, you know, assigned out. Um, and so I think, <laughs> I think uh, what you're, what you're saying is, is exactly right. Sometimes it's the things that have to happen in between that uh, takes a little bit of trust to, to spend. And, uh, and that's where we can really get a lot of the, that value. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, you know, it's it's hard because sometimes you, you think, oh, I have to take extra time outside of work hours to make this happen. You don't. It's like, yeah, you really don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, when when if you're in a somewhat healthy organization and you do plan work ahead of time, you you realize that there's a buffer of of, I guess, points quote unquote sure points. yeah you can't see me air quoting but um, <laughs> that that there there is this expectation of oh i'm gonna do five to eight points in this sprint yeah numbers are just arbitrary right here yeah. but like you, you as a team you tend to to pad to account for testing to account for regressions to account for any any dragons that might yeah. be hidden during the work if you get that work done don't just sit around and wait for things to finish don't yeah. you know you you could pull in the next story to work on and build trust with your product team to be like hey like we're ahead of the game right i went and did some additional work or you can say i'm going to take this extra time to work on some technical debt because yeah. you've committed and you've you've 
finished your commitment to your product team, it's it's up to you what to do with the little bit of extra time you have left. Do you you start on additional work for the product team, or do you tackle some technical debt and build trust with your engineering team? Either way, you're building trust with someone. Just don't sit around and do nothing. Right. <laughs> I I like thinking about it as like you can call it a social credit, right? And it's a it's a credit card that you have with every person that you meet at a company. Sometimes you need to use that credit a little bit more, um, depending on the person and the role and and what you're trying to do. And other times that you you maybe don't need to use it so much, right? But paying attention to that that social credit that trust bank that you have, uh, that's how you build it up over time. And the more you build it up, that's how you also leverage it more, right? You gotta you gotta build up your credit in order for you to up that limit, up that spend limit. <laughs> so I mean, going going back to uh, the original point here yeah. is there there are ways to be the agent of change in order to make your your work environment better. It, right. it does you know as I mentioned it does take time, and you might be the type of person who can't wait. What what what's your recourse then? If if you're the person if you're the type of person who can't wait, well quite honestly, I think uh in any kind of social job or social position, um my my real answer is honestly you're probably going to have to build in some patience. You're going to have to learn some patience yourself because people do not move at your on your timeline. You know, unless you're the CEO, people do not move on your timeline. And most often you have to either engage people however they are currently. And, and you know, you can try to like motivate them towards a, a faster pace. But largely, you're going to have to, to develop uh, some patience for that, right? Alternatively, if you don't have the patience and you don't want to change, we're back to the original option, right? <laughs> Quick job. You always have that original option and you always can can kind of just step out of the situation. Um because yeah, I I think you're you're totally right. Like change takes time. Change takes effort. And you know, just to kind of go back to it, change takes trust, right? Yeah. So if you evaluate your situation and find that you are lacking in any one of these things and and you sort of see uh I, just to kind of go back to a previous episode that we've done right at the moment that you find you no longer can change your environment that's the time to leave that's the time to leave because it will not get better from here forward and whether or not that's in your control or not, like you've lost the will to make it change. You've lost the hope that it can change. It only goes downhill from there. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's not guaranteed that your next position is going to be any better either. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, I can try to ask as many questions as you want, but companies that are looking for engineers, yeah. they'll also try to sell the position to you. Um, yeah. Having said that, if you get to the point that you, you know, you just don't have the energy to deal with it, <laughs> like 
there's you you don't owe the company anything. Yeah, is 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 my opinion. Like you you enter into a a mutually exploitative contract <laughs> mm-hmm. with your employer, right? It's it's your the the company pays you for your time and your your effort and energy and you give them output, work output, whatever that looks like. If at any point it feels like the the rules of engagement have changed for whatever reason or it just doesn't suit you that the, the contract is technically not valid anymore so why why stay in a position where you're just gonna completely be frustrated and it's right. gonna show in your work it's gonna show in your interactions with your coworkers it becomes disingenuous for everyone involved yeah and absolutely. that's you know you're I mean I guess you're still being an agent of change just in a negative manner. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's an interesting way of thinking about it, right? You're like, eh. <laughs> if I can't change it through positive means, I'm just going to be grumpy pants over here. <laughs> <laughs> just be grumpy. <laughs> I'll throw my tantrum. That's, I mean, that's, that's really where the, the, the that I think, uh, thinking about my own, you know, toxicity uh, in the past, in past roles and things like that. I, I certainly think that's where a lot of it came from. Um, I think it was this, desire to see change or desire to see forward momentum and over time uh that desire not going anywhere and it turning into just bitterness right Mm -hmm. and and this is something that i i'm starting to really pay attention to when when that bitterness takes hold of you or or as someone else or just coworkers in general you start noticing a few things Mm-hmm. I think, um, let me know if you've ever heard this one or if you've seen this one before. Uh, a company has new idea, rolls out anything at all. Company says literally anything. And the first reaction you get from the embittered uh, uh, peer is, that sucks. That's dumb. <laughs> That's stupid. Right? That's me. It, it could... <laughs> <laughs> It could literally be anything. Rolling out new, hey, new employee discount online store. They're like, that's that's stupid. I hate it. Uh, new product initiative, new direction. Nah, that's dumb. Why would we even do that? New uh, anything at all. That's that's right now. I'm uh, that's something that I'm paying a lot of attention to. That's when I know. Okay, this person is well off the deep end of of that. Uh, that bitterness cliff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to pull them back out too. Oh yeah, like oh, real yeah. hard. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of senses, uh, when they've gotten that bitter, it's usually because they've lost faith that their environment can change in a positive way, right? Mm-hmm. They don't believe that that this does get better. Mm-hmm. And you know, tying back to your point about trust, if they don't have faith in but and and being able to make the change around them, what does that say about their their trust in the folks who can make the change happen? Right, right. They don't even believe in that currency anymore. Might yeah. as well be Dogecoin to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a roller coaster. Some days it's good, other days it's terrifying. <laughs> makes me want to jump off a cliff myself. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, I'm I'm not. I'm no nowhere near jumping off a cliff. So don't. Don't take that as a serious note. Uh, <laughs> I, I only have twenty dollars in Doge, so not, not a huge, huge worry. Um, um, but 
yeah, it's like, does, as as a manager, if, if you do identify someone who's off the deep end there, like, do you, I'm I'm sure you try. You try to get them back. Oh yeah. See what they yeah. can you can do. But I guess my my question to you is is how how successful have you been in the past in in making those ha- that that change happen or do you ultimately have to manage them out or let them pursue opportunities elsewhere? Um so per- speaking from personal experience, I've done both. Um, I've done both and I, I don't know. I want to say just off the top of my head, I'm like 50, 50, I'm like 50, 50. And, and some of the people who I've managed out or, or to be honest, like managing out sounds scary, you know, but the reality of, of what those conversations were was me literally saying like, Hey, being completely honest, I don't think you're happy here. And I kind of want to know, like, do you think that this is even a place that you want to try and put effort into to making it fun again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those conversations was like, you're right, I'm not happy here. And you're right, like, I don't like it here. I don't enjoy this. And no, I don't think I want to put in the effort for it. And at that point, I change, like, I change, I stop trying to, like, try to fish them back into that. And instead, the conversation changes to, well, then, let me help you explore and understand what it is that you do want next so that wherever you end up going, you are going to be happy. And we go to, we start exploring like, yeah, so like, what did you like here? Um, what, what, what do you really not like here? Uh, where do you think you want to see yourself going? What do you think you want to be exploring? Is it a better product fit? Is it a better skill set fit? Is it a better just opportunity fit? Um, we start exploring that and a lot of them just say, Hey, cool. Yeah. A few weeks later, a few months later or so there, you know, I found a new job, uh, putting in my two weeks. Um, and those were all positive. You know, I still text a, a few of those people and, and I'm happy for them. They're much happier. And, and yeah, the rest is history, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Sucks for you in the short term though, but I I mean the the truth is when people are at that point already you're you're not getting their best work and uh the team most likely has already started to see those signs and so there's only been like one or two cases where a person leaving like that really left us in a lurch in all other cases it actually freed everybody up to breathe a little bit right it's sort of like a a bit of like a sigh of relief where where like this this heaviness that's stuck with the team for the last i don't know several weeks or months or however long uh suddenly disappears and yes while the mountain to climb is still tall um suddenly you feel a little bit everyone feels a little bit more unburdened you know I, I am going to say that's not how it works all the time. Sometimes there, sometimes it comes as a shock to the rest of the team. Like they weren't aware and they're like, oh my gosh, so-and-so is going to leave. Like, what are we going to do? Uh, of course, that's that's a fun management problem as well to kind of swoop in and be like, no, no, honestly, everybody, it's okay. It's okay. I have, tr- I have trust and faith in you guys. I know you guys are going to be able to pull through from this and here's how we're going to adjust. And, and, you know, you play a little bit of that game. Um, but yeah, you, you were asking about, uh, uh, folks who you 
do kind of reel them back in, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think you, you got to go straight for the jugular. You got to go, <laughs> you got to just hit them and hit them really, really hard. And, and what I mean by that is you have to cut through the bullshit. Like as a manager, you have to present in as short amount of time as possible, as early and quickly as possible. You have to cut straight through all the bullshit and let them know that you're on their side, that you know that you care about them, you're on their side, and you're committed to doing whatever it takes. You know, I'm I'm gonna step in there, and I I find it hilarious that we're we're talking about the scenario where you're saving someone from edge there by going for their jugular <laughs> he's a very <laughs> violent imagery to save someone <laughs> yeah i mean point taken point taken <laughs> what i what what i'm really trying to get at there is you you have to you you have to really uh, uh and and it, it honestly i feel as viscerally as i'm describing it you know you have to just connect with that person almost immediately and you have to let them know that that you actually do know how they're feeling that you do what well, not that you don't have to know but you know you empathize with how they feel you understand their frustration and you're committed to that change because what you're doing there is you're you're reaching right they're they're falling off the cliff you're reaching and you're grabbing hold of them right so if you like this is not the time for half measures. This is not the time for hesitation or any of that, right? If someone's falling off the cliff and you don't dive to reach for them, they're gonna just fall, right? Like that's how serious I I kind of view that situation. Um, and so like yeah, that that means honestly, brutal transparency. <laughs> like they say something and I will literally respond, "You're right." You're right. We do fucking suck at that. Validation. Like, yeah, validation. Right? And and you have to share too. Like you can't just say yes and nod along with everything they say. You have to be like I feel that too. It's different for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone has like that that personality that you sort of have to listen to and and you have to validate that. Oh, it's it's not it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no it's it, not it's not easy and it does take a lot of like emotional investment in it and and honestly i think that that's why we get a lot of um middle of the road sort of just bleh managers and it's because a lot of people who happen to be in these positions don't want to put in the emotional investment to to deal with some of these types of situations you know mm-hmm. and people are hard. anyways yeah people are hard people are hard in in those situations i i i can imagine you have to drop your your manager speak right 100% 100% because as as a manager you you do have a certain not dialect a certain way of speaking because yeah. how you speak needs to translate between engineers product and the rest of the org yeah right but in those how you situations yourself yeah. yeah. So so in those situations you do really have to get down into literally the bare bones language with with your engineer because that's how they speak. You really Here's need some to... it, yeah. it, This this is a technique that like I adopted really really early 
because I was actually afraid of that. Like I was afraid that when I would jump into, when I jumped into management, that I would just kind of become that like rigid, stiff company voice, the, the toe in the company line all the time. Yes. Man. Um, yeah. The yes man. <laughs> right. I actually adopted a, a, a practice where I would tell people, I was like, Hey, so just so you know, in this conversation right now that we're having, I'm not your manager. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even an employee of this company right now. I am here listening to you as a dude who's spent some time in this industry, who's done some of this work, who maybe has an idea of it. Maybe I'm even speaking to you as the dude who made the call to hire you or not, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want you to understand that anything you say right now, I'm not looking at it as through the guise of a manager. I'm not looking at it through the guise of the company. I just want to know where your head's at, how you're feeling, and I want to know uh, what you want to do about it, what we want, what you want us to do about it. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, like that's that's honestly, it served me quite well over the years. I still use that to this day, and sometimes I use that uh, kind of upfront. Going back to the topic of building trust, I, sometimes I use that upfront and just tell people like, hey, yeah, like. When we interact, don't worry about me being a whatever XYZ role. Like I'm just a guy who wants to know what's going on and uh, feel free to share whatever you want to share with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, as an engineer, honesty and transparency, like to the extreme, <laughs> is much more appreciated than manager speak. Like I, I can understand manager speak because I'm, sort of towing that line, like I mentioned before, <laughs> of, of jumping, making that jump. But as as an engineer who's who's been in not great situations with companies, that that jugular <laughs> primal <laughs> honesty yeah. goes yeah. a very long way. Yeah. Um and it's it's actually been a differentiator on on whether or not I decided to leave or stay, mm. and it's it's crazy how how little it seems like folks can confront the problems mm-hmm. without feeling defensive, like it was it's 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 like their own personal fault. Yeah, and. Yeah it's 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 hard it's hard because um especially if you're a manager or a team lead or even just any position higher up it's like yeah my responsibility was for the success of this team and any criticism is a reflection upon myself that i failed somewhere yeah and for anyone that's hard to confront but to confront it shows that you're one, you're still human. But two, <laughs> you're willing to at least recognize the faults and w- the differentiator is what you're doing to address yeah. it. Right. I, I think one of the most um, profound kind of uh, uh, lessons learned or, or I guess um, attitudes, I, as a, as an early engineer, and as an early uh, person in this industry, I used to think 
that when I get to that really high level of experience, I'm going to stop making the junior mistakes, right? And over time, uh, and over time and, and learning a lot more and trying a lot more things, I've like, you realize that as a, an experienced person or as, as a senior or whatever you want to call the, 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 you know, the other side of that inexperienced bridge, um, you realize that you do still continue to make the junior mistakes. The major, major difference is how you react to it, though, how you respond to it. And um, this applies to both uh, management and uh, engineering, right? In management, yeah, you do still make all of those first-timer mistakes. And the only difference is you... you just face up to it and you're like oh yeah hey sorry i really screwed up hey sorry i you know i did actually make you feel um uh uncomfortable not psychologically safe right i did uh say something that made you question our trust right yeah and as an experienced manager you realize that early and then you try to repair it as fast as possible and life goes on right <laughs> yep yep Otherwise, uh, quit your job. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, quit your job. There's always that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's the episode uh, today. Um, we talked a lot about trust, changing your environment, and, and ultimately uh, how to leverage and use, build up, leverage, and use that trust, right, to, to impact your, your environment for the better. It's, uh, it's not an easy one. And oftentimes, this is, you know, sort of the 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 uh, the big question that you're sitting there wondering, like, do, man, do I really want to put in the effort? Do I not? Do I feel like it? Do I think it's going to get better? I don't know, right? Uh, for all that we've talked about, it, I just want to say, like, it's not easy, and uh, a lot of people are going to find themselves in this kind of a situation. Um, like we talk about it with, I think, uh, a little bit of a level of comfort around it, but uh, make no mistake, it is not comfortable. Yeah, it doesn't get any any more comfortable um, with time, and I think uh, having having more experience with it makes it a little bit easier to handle. Um, like we've mentioned, it it changes uh, based on uh, interpersonal dynamics, um, but over time, it does become a little bit easier to navigate. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's that's gonna be it. Um, thanks, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, let us know if you have some thoughts. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, cheers. <laughs>